0: Welcome to That's Awesome ID. My name is Leslie Early, and each week I will be speaking with a different guest and learning about one thing they think is awesome in the field of instructional design. Okay, today I have um, learning experience designer Cheryl Oberlin here with me today. Thank you for joining me, Cheryl.
1: Thank you for having me, Leslie. It's great to be here.
0: Um, so I kind of know you, we know each other a little bit through Design by Humanity and our work with them, but would you like to take a moment and tell listeners a little bit about yourself or about your journey with uh, instructional design?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I started out in corporate America way back when, when I was a teenager, spent some time there, and then I moved into education where I found what I really love is my passion for helping others learn. So I am an experienced designer. I'm also a former professor at the university level and college, a uh, community college, and I'm a storyteller. And I say that because I inherited that trait from my father. He would always have great stories to tell, never met a stranger. And I my kids and husband say that I have that as well. And I also noticed I can intertwine it into my work to create scenarios for learning.
0: Yeah, that's a great skill to have, um, especially for scenario-based learning. Um, Basically, you know, the the point of the show is like if you have one thing that you're super jazzed up about or interested in these days in instructional design or learning experience design. So um, what is something that you've been thinking a lot about these days?
1: Well, my theme is helping others, so I have had so many people reach out to me about adult learning and about instructional design, so there are kind of two pathways I've been trying to help others with. In adult learning, folks get really frustrated in training classes because they um, don't want to ask questions, they don't want to seem like they're not knowledgeable about the topic or any topic really a lot of people who take training classes you know do have a management level so when they're mixed in training with um their employees they Mm -hmm. don't want to say anything wrong Mm -hmm. um and that's where the scenario training comes into play
0: yeah so yeah so if i'm understanding correctly so the thing that's sort of special about adult learners especially in like a corporate setting i'm assuming you're talking more of a corporate rather than academic setting yeah so So that's true. I never thought about that, that you can definitely have moments of training where um, some subordinate level employees Mm. are in the same training with the manager or middle management level. And that can probably be uncomfortable for both sides.
1: Yeah, I've taught over 2,000 people how to design quality online courses in the last two years. And most of those people are administrators or professors, So they have a PhD or higher. And when they came into my class, they were not happy to be there, mostly. And then secondarily, they didn't want to ask questions. And the only time that you can really hook them in is when you provide them feedback that actually shows them that you're trying to help them learn. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And you're not criticizing them or have any high expectations of them. When we do that, we get a better response from them.
0: Mhm. So when you say that they're not happy to be there, like what so what do you think is the thing that's making these it sounds like, you know, if they have PhD, they're a little bit higher educated. So what mm-hmm. makes you think that they're what's the reason that they're unhappy mm-hmm. to be there?
1: Well, a lot of people are not happy to be there because it's forced training. They have to do it for compliance or they have to do mm. it for their job level. So they're not happy to be in there. They feel like they're wasting their time because they can't do their job when they're in training and that they know everything already. So it's fantastic when you can use uh, visual stories based on real world scenarios and you know, kind of show them, yes, you do have something to learn and it can be enjoyable if you let it. It's all about the positive mindset for training.
0: Yeah. And that makes sense because if you're using these scenarios, then they might see themselves in it, right? Like they might or find something to relate to, I guess. Yeah,
1: exactly. My e-learning stories are framed by real people, real life issues, and current world situations. So there's something that you can always go back and tweak so that it addresses something that's going on in their life right now. It's mm-hmm. not something that you just create a canned you know, course and leave it there forever and make no changes to it. You absolutely have to go back and evaluate the course so you can view your measurements and see how the learners are performing and if changes mm-hmm. need to be made.
0: Hmm. And that is kind of interesting. I hadn't really thought of that either. You're you're like giving me so many good things today, Cheryl. <laughs> the it, fact that you can even though it's a compliance training, it sounds like you're still um making tweaks or changes to the content depending on who your audience is or or is it you're changing it based on the feedback from the audience?
1: It could be both. You know, it could be who your audience is. It could be what the story is. If they're learning something um, about compliance and it relates to something that's going on in the real world, if things change, then you need to change that tra- that, that lesson um, mm-hmm. so that it's current.
0: Yeah. I guess because, yeah, the the perception of compliance training is like, you know, like a ni- 1990s video that, mm-hmm. you know, it's like really bad actors and mm-hmm. bad lighting and they're just like acting out a scene and like it hasn't been updated since it was shot in 1999, mm-hmm. right? Like that's right. the perception of compliance training.
1: Yeah, So it is. And, you know, people come in and they're anxious. They don't want to make mistakes. They feel like that is a, a bad thing versus a, an item that has to happen for learning. So they're very anxious when they come in.
0: Yeah. So if you sense, if you're reading the room and you Mm -hmm. sense that, you know, people are coming in sort of anxious, Mm -hmm. do you have a trick or do you have a way of engaging them to get them to start to like, kind of get hooked, like you said, or sort of start to loosen up?
1: Yeah. It's mostly, um, I, in online courses, right? So I tell them that, I recognize that it may be sometimes since you were in a learning environment, and sometimes you are actually a teacher in your job. I mean, even if you're a corporate person as a manager, you could be a teacher. And I realize that the, this type of learning can be frustrating and cause anxiety to you. And those are actually natural responses to the struggle that can accompany learning something new for the first time. And this yeah. material is new.
0: Yeah, I like that. So basically just being transparent from the beginning, I understand this is uncomfortable for you, but, you know, we're sort of all in this together.
1: (laughs) Kind of recognize their feelings, encourage them to take some time to just step back from the situation and then come come back later if they need to because things like writing are a recursive project and a lot of learning is that way too so if you take a break and you come back later it's actually fresher in your mind Mm -hmm. and if we use knowledge checks in our in our courses those are like um low stakes retrieval practice people take a break they come back then you know they probably know more than they think they do
0: yeah yeah that's a good point too like taking breaks is great for learning Mm -hmm. um Different topic, but yes, Mm -hmm. also a very good point.
1: Yeah, a lot of people feel like they, you know, aren't eligible to be there, even though they have the training, they have the education, they have the work experience, they don't want to speak out in a course because they don't want to look like they don't know those things, right? So they feel like an imposter.
0: Yeah. So imposter syndrome is a big thing, I think, with a lot of adults, and I... I wonder if that's just because we're always fed these, you know, messages of like, you hit a certain age or you get into a certain career or a certain role and you should have it all together, right? Like by this point, you should have it all together.
1: Yeah, But that absolutely. makes it really
0: hard to keep learning.
1: Right. And everything in life is, you know, takes practice from riding a bike to learning about compliance. You have to practice things in order to master it, right? So it does matter for everybody to be a lifelong learner. I listened to a short podcast this morning by a gentleman that was on my YouTube feed, Jacob Morgan, and he had like three things for you to remember every day. And one of them was that you've learned something new every day. And mm-hmm. I've been telling my students and my kids that forever. And in fact, the kids will go, I know, I know, I have to learn something new every day. Um <laughs> So yeah, I think that's really really important that people understand that you never really stop learning. Yeah,
0: and and of course it can be uncomfortable. Um, Again, like I keep going back to the having different levels of um, different levels within a company all in the same training, and that can be uncomfortable. But maybe that's a good leadership opportunity if you're a manager and you're demonstrating like. Hey, I'm going to learn to do this, or I'm not afraid to try to learn more. That's setting a good example to the people below.
1: Absolutely. And it, you know, really shows some opportunity instead of a challenge, right? People see things as challenges when, when instead you could see them as an opportunity to grow and to share that information with the people who are on your team in the same training.
0: Yeah. So I'm trying to think, so if you have like a group of, um, unmotivated people or people who are maybe uncomfortable, who don't want to ask questions or don't want to show that they don't know something, how can you, um, still engage them? Or how can you still try to convey this information if nobody's asking questions and nobody's admitting that they don't really know
1: what's going well, on? <laughs> one of the great things about e-learning is the feedback. Um, mm-hmm. When you get personalized feedback, you can really have a conversation with someone, whether they want to have one with you or not, right? So I can explain to him that them that it is a challenge to learn, that most learning is recursive. You come back after you take a break, and it is perfectly okay not to get things right the first time. You know, there's never a knowledge check that will fail you for the entire course. I don't think one question and out, right? Mm-hmm. So there are opportunities to try again or do over. And, and that really helps people learn. You know, if I miss a question on something and I go back and get it, like it's more likely that I'm going to remember that answer because I missed it the first time.
0: Right. And in e-learning, it's kind of, it's a little bit, it's personalized feedback, but it's also more private in a way. Like you can go through this on your own time. Nobody's Mm -hmm. around. It's not a classroom where you're like answering out loud. You're just going through it on your own. Nobody's watching you.
1: (laughs) Right. And with the the personalized feedback, you're really creating a rapport with your participant. So it's Mm -hmm. just like, you know, creating a friendship. You have to create it on a base level, and then you have to cultivate it. So with the more feedback that you give them that's conversational, they feel trust for you, and then Mm -hmm. they open up, and then they will start asking questions. And sometimes at the end of the courses that I taught, I would get glowing evaluations from people, not because I was nice and let them get through, but because they actually learned something. You know, they would say Mm -hmm. I was tough on them, but they learned at the end of the day, which is the goal.
0: That's the goal, and that's kind of what you want to hear, right? Mm -hmm, Right. You don't you don't want it to be too easy, Um, exactly. But so, I guess what I'm now my question is: so when you're designing something, like you're designing an Mm e-learning, what are some design principles that you use to try and get around some of these issues that we've talked about?
1: It goes all the way back to Malcolm Knowles. You know, he talked about adults are being in, internally motivated and self-directed. They want their life experiences to be reflected in the learning. They also are goal-oriented. How is this going to help me? You know, the what's mm-hmm. in it for me, um, mm-hmm. new age wording. Mm-hmm. They also want to see how relevant it is. How, how can I use this in my job or my career? And they need to be respected. So when you do e-learning, they actually feel more respected because, like you said, they're not being called out in a face-to-face class. And the adult learning principles also are mostly problem-centered. So mm-hmm. during the training, you actually show them how to resolve the issue or resolve the pain point that that created the training.
0: Mm-hmm. What about like what about the graphic design? Like what mm-hmm. about how you're visually laying all of this out?
1: Well, it's so much better for adults to be able to um, learn when there are signals on the screen. So, versus having an entire slide of text, we all know that they won't read it. You can just have fewer words and more cues that will highlight the importance of the material. Mm-hmm. They also learn better from graphics and narration than on screen text. So, mm-hmm. you can, if you don't like voiceover, you can Hire someone that does do voiceover, or you can actually use some of the um, ones that are in, in the learning tools like Articulate Storyline has some. They do mm-hmm. sound a little bit like the Jetsons and Robotic, but <laughs> it still works. Yeah. And then the multimedia principle has is just that people learn better um, from words and pictures from just words alone. Because if they read, 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 they're just going to skim and they're not going to take as much away from it.
0: Um, So we've basically covered several things like the disposition of these adult learners and like why that could be uniquely challenging. And then some ways to try to to get around that and hook them in. Do you have any other last bits of advice for how to engage adult learners?
1: Well, it's a bit of audience analysis. So when you're designing things, or even if you were the person who's going to deliver it, it's really important to analyze your audience, find out who they are, how they're going to use this information, why it will be helpful to them. And that will help you structure both the design of the course and how you deliver it and provide Mm -hmm. feedback.
0: Okay. Well, so if I know that this is a big topic and like, we could probably talk about this for a really long time, but sure. if, if listeners want to reach out to you and continue the conversation, is there a good place that they can find you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. You can find me on LinkedIn. I'm there every day um, interacting with the amazing L&D folks that I found. Well, thank you so much, Cheryl, for joining me today. Thank you for having me. I've enjoyed it.